0: Tonight's scripture passage is coming from Matthew, uh, chapter 1 to 13, and, uh, yeah, it's the parable of the ten virgins. It goes, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, "'Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves.' "'And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, "'and those who were ready went in with him "'to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, "'Lord, Lord, open to us.' "'But he answered, "'Truly I say to you, I do not know you. "'Watch therefore,' For you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for it.
1: Amen. Thank you, Chris. Mm. Well, um, thank you so much for reading that passage here, Chris. The parable of the ten virgins. So um, at this point in time, I'll ask if you can just join me in a word of prayer as we ask God's blessing upon his word. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your word is indeed a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, we are so reminded each day of the words of our psalmist David, thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against you. And so we pray, God, this evening uh, that you will speak to us through the power of your spirit for every listening hear- ear that are here this Day And for those that are watching online, we ask and pray, God, that you will convict hearts and that you will speak to your people. Have your rightful place among us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So thank you so much for those that are here today that are joining us for the first time. We are so happy to have you, um, and we, we give God praise and thanks. And uh, for those of you that are always uh, joining us online and for those of you that are joining us for the first time online, thank you so much. Um, This week we are once again continuing with our sermon series, The Parable of Jesus, Parables of Jesus. Now for those of you that have been following us over these past several weeks, you will know that we have looked at several parables already. The first week we did an introduction of Jesus' parable. And then after that, we look at the parables of the seed, and then the parables of the weed and power tripping by Matthew, and then the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, which was titled The Sufficiency of Scripture by Noel, and parables of the labor in the vineyard, parables of the two sons, parables of the prodigal son last week or the lost two sons. And this week we are going to look at another parable, like I just said, of Jesus, which is considered by many as a masterpiece. That is the parable of the ten virgins. Just by reading these 13 passages that you just heard Chris um, read, you can tell that it is a very simple and straightforward story. Isn't that so? The first century Jews could understand what Jesus meant by virgins or bridesmaids because it was a it was customary for Jews For Jewish wedding to start after sunset, so when you hear they're taking, they're going with lamps and oil, and they were going to welcome the bride. It was something that they knew. It's something that they understood because the weddings and the ceremony happens in the evening. And why it happened so late in the evening is because there were so many people traveling, and they don't have planes like us to fly, and they don't have cars and trucks and buses. All they have was donkey carts and maybe some. Uh, you know, horse-drawn carts or whatever it is in those days or by feet traveling miles, and they were waiting for the guests to arrive. So having a wedding ceremony late in the evening was appropriate in those days. And they knew that you know, the, the Jewish people and the disciples understood that when the bridegrooms or the, the bridemaids were going out or the virgins were going out, in this passage it say that they took Oil and lamps. It's basically they had candlesticks, long wicks with oil wrapped around it, so that they, as they go out, the bridesmaids were the ones that will go out into the community to welcome the bridegroom as he comes, and then they will celebrate and sing and dance on the streets, and everyone will will, will welcome the bridegroom as he comes, and the bridesmaid were the ones that were going to lead him to the to the to the to the home of the bride. And that was the setting. That is why they understood this parable. So it was nothing new to them. And like I said, when many of these parables that we're looking at, all, every time Jesus presented a, a parable, it was things that they could relate to, but they missed the spiritual truth. They missed what Jesus was trying to teach. And they could not understand. But this parable here, like I said, by many have... Consider this as a masterpiece because at the end, Jesus, they could understand when the door is shut and Jesus would close that door and says, I do not know you. So for us to understand the parable of the ten virgin, we must look at it in its context of which it was written. A lot of times we just want to jump in and start reading and start to understand, but we must be able to look at the context in which it was written. You will notice that Matthew 25 is a continuation from Matthew chapter 24, which is called the Olive, Olivet Discourse. Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and was teaching his disciples. And he was teaching them several things. He was teaching them the signs of the end of the age that many false prophets will arise and will lead many astray. And this is the gospel of the kingdom, he said, it will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony for all nations. And then he, end, and he, and he, end, and he told them about the, the abomination of desolation, this great tribulation, like never before will come upon this earth. And after the great tribulation, at the end of that, Matthew chapter 4, he continued to tell him of the coming of the Son of Man, speaking about himself, which he refers to. In verse 36, he says, But concerning that day, but, Concerning that day, Matthew 24, verse 36, he says, but concerning that day and hour. Now, I would like you to pay attention to these passages because you will see the reason why the 10 virgins story makes sense. That day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels or angels of heaven, nor the sun. Speaking of us, but the Father knows when he will come. That day or our, no one knows. Look at those two words. That day and our. Look at those words. Speak of the last things that Jesus is telling the church and is telling his believers and his disciples. And over the centuries, the, over the centuries, a doctrine has developed, which is called eschatology. Eschatology is a fancy word and it comes from two Greek words. Eschatos, which means last, and logos, which means word. And you put them together means the last things. Now the word eschatology has been defined as the doctrine of the last things or the theology that is concerned with the last things. And this includes, brothers and sisters, the second coming of Christ. Christ came physically, gave his life as a ransom died on a cross, went to the Father, says, is seated now at the right hand of God the Father and He promised that He will come again. And it also speaks of the triumphant return of Christ. And we, we Many times as believers we hear about the second coming of Christ and this triumphant return of Christ. It focuses on the day of the Lord or the, consumi- the consummation of the age. Consummation, sorry. The Day of Judgment it speaks of as well. And there are many other passages in the New Testament which speak of the last day, or the Day of the Lord. Now take, for example, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 25, if you can turn your eyes to the screen, you will see that Paul says, this is what it meant, brothers. The appointed time has, co- has grown very short. The appointed time. That means the coming of the Lord is growing short, very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they have no goods. But look at the last passage here. And those who deal with the world as though they have no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. This world is passing away. This world is coming to an end. And then Peter will say, But do not overlook, brothers and sisters, this one fact. Beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. Now if you were to look at this passage, one day... A thousand years is one day and one day is like a thousand years. It means that none of us has lived a thousand years as yet. We have not lived a year in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord, uh, Peter says, verse 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise. Look at it. God is not slow to fulfill His promise. As some count slowness. You know what people say? Jesus promised 2,000 years ago that He's going to come and He's not here. So it doesn't look like He's coming. But you're going to understand why from the passage of uh, from the, the ten, the, the ten virgins tonight. But it is patient towards you. That God is patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should re- reach repentance. But that all... He says that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. It, the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will burn up and dissolve and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. And this is, the, this is what's going to happen. And one day, brothers and sisters, this will happen if, 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 Je- if, if we live until Jesus come and to see these days, this will happen. The Lord promised and it will happen. And most of the parables we look at so far focuses on, on the kingdom of God. In, Mar- in Matthew focuses on the, on the kingdom of heaven and, and Mark focuses on the kingdom of God. They're, they're, they're the same thing. And we can safely say they, that all of Jesus' parables are eschatological in nature. It means that they focuses on His coming. And keep in mind... That you will never find, you will never find this word eschatology in your Bible. So don't go and search for it. Nowhere in the Bible, just like you can't find the word Trinity. But there are doctrines that were created and, uh, uh, over the years. Now why am I telling you all of this? Because the parable of the ten virgins is about the second coming of Christ. Or the return of Christ when he comes for his bride, The church. When Jesus comes, he is coming back for the bride. The church, which is the body of Christ scattered all over this world. Those who are saved. And the church is made up of those who are born again. Who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And those who live their lives in obedience to his word. That is what Jesus is going to come back for. Matthew 25, Jesus used three stories to convey His second coming. When you read Matthew 25, just don't read the first 13 verses, but take some time and read it. First, you're going to see part one. You're going to see He talks about the the parable of the ten virgins. That we all must be in a state of watchfulness and readiness. A state of preparedness and a state of waiting and watching. That is what the ten virgins is all about is that we as believers in Christ must be watching and waiting and ready for the return of Christ. Then he talks about the parable of the talents, meaning that we ought to remain diligent, faithful to the calling that God has called us. So that we can walk in obedience to remain faithful to his word. So that our light can shine to a world that is in darkness. Not only do, our, not do we wait for his promise. But that as we wait, we not only wait in anticipation. But that we shine our light to a world that is dark. And then in part three, the final judgment. Which is the latter part of Matthew 25. That great day when he will judge the righteous and the unrighteous, when Christ will judge the sinner and the saints alike, when Christ will judge the unjust and the just, when Christ will judge the saved and the unsaved, when Christ who is seated at the right hand of God the Father will judge this world. And verse 34 in Matthew 24 put it very well. These are the words of Jesus. He said, I will judge those that are on the right, and I will judge those that are on the left. Now listen to the passage. Hear the words of Jesus. He says, I say to those on the right. Now where do you stand tonight? Are you standing on the right, or are you standing on the left hand of Jesus? Remember the two thieves on the cross? One on the right, one on the left. One is a rejecter, and one is a receiver. One says, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, remember me. The other one says, who are you? You just can't save yourself, save us. And rejected the Savior. And here Jesus is using Matthew 24 and verse 6. He says, I say to those on the right, to those that stands on my right, come. You who are blessed by my Father. Enter the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Those that are saved, those that are born again, those that surrender their life. He says, come and enter. But look, look, he said in verse 35, I say to you, those on the left, depart from me for I never knew you. And where are you tonight? Are you on the left or are you on the right? And these are Jesus' words, not mine. He says, there are some that are going to be standing on the right when I come. Those that are saved. Those that walk faithful and obediently. But those are those on the left. They are those on the left. That he will say these words, I never knew you. What a sad day that will be. Now from the passage today, we will focus our attention on three things. Three. Three things. The virgin... The virgin that went out, the 10th virgin. Then we're going to focus on the bridegroom. And finally, we're going to focus on the kingdom. So first of all, follow me tonight. Verse 25. Then the kingdom of heaven. Then the kingdom of heaven. Which is going back from what we read in 24, 36. Jesus said, then the kingdom of heaven. Because it is a continuation of that discourse that he was having. With his disciples. And to help them understand what he was saying very clearly, so then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flask of oil with their lamps and as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. Now I want you to pay close attention tonight to these passages. So what is it that the ten virgins had in, has, has in common? And let Ezra keep the, that on the screen, the verse on the screen. What did they have in common when you read this passage of Scripture? Now I'm going to list several things. They were all invited to the wedding Ceremony. They were all invited to attend this great feast and this banquet that is going to happen. And they all of these ten, they all responded to the invitation. They all wanted to be part of the wedding party to welcome the bridegroom to the bride's home. They were excited. They were all anxiously awaiting. When they found out that his coming was delayed, they all had lamps and they all had lights. But they all were tired at the same time and they all fell asleep. And what's the difference? Now, that is what was common. But what was the difference between them? Bible said that there were five wise and there were five foolish. The wise carried extra oil for their lamps. They were prepared to meet the bridegroom. They were ready. Now, when the Bible uses the word wise or wisdom, it never used and an, it never used it in such a way so that it means our intellectual quality, but rather a moral quality that what is within the, the work of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom comes from God, brothers and sisters. It is a gift from God. Paul wrote in First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24. Here Paul says, But to those who are called Believers, for those who are called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ the power of God and Christ the wisdom of God. Wisdom comes from God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, but the weakness of God is stronger than men. So the five, you have five wise and filled with wisdom. Not, not intellectual, but the way they live their lives in obedience to Christ. It was a quality that they live out, not as something they put on. And there were five foolish, unlike the wise virgins, brothers and sisters. They did not take extra oil for their lamps and were not fo- totally and fully prepared to meet their bridegroom. Now, the word fool in the New Testament comes from the Greek word. Basically, it describes someone that is being, that, of this state as being. Deficient in, under, in their understanding, they are unwise, they are senseless, and they are unintelligent. So to be foolish is to be godless, as Psalms 141 says. Now, I'm not going to read that passage tonight. But, but what's the different, what differentiates the, the wise from the foolish is the turning point of the story. What differentiate them is the turning point of the story. They all went out. They all went out with oil and lamps and everything. But look what the sixth verse says. But at midnight, at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. You remember he delayed his coming. The Bible never said why he delayed and you remember, I said earlier on that people are crying and shouting, "Jesus promised to come back 2,000 years ago and he hasn't showed up." But if they read the passage carefully, they will see the reason why that all will have to hear this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then He will put in His appearance. Only he knows the time nor the hour, same in similar fashion, and you are seeing here. But at midnight, yes, he will come. But at midnight, there was a cry. And how many of us are going to hear that cry, brothers and sisters? Here is the bridegroom. That's the cry. Come out to meet him. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. Keep it alight. Let it glow. Let it continue to shine. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. We have no oil. But the wise answered and said, answered, saying, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. Now what is the what is the message in this story tonight? When the ten virgins learned that the bridegroom was coming, that what separated the wise from the foolish brothers and sisters, it is that shout, it is that cry that the bridegroom is coming. The wise had extra oil to continue while the foolish ran out of the oil. They had no light to continue. All they heard was the cry. And the cry was no surprise to those who were anxiously waiting. The same will happen in the last day, brothers and sisters, when Jesus comes. Because like the foolish virgins, there are many people who live their Christian life in a similar fashion. They are no ignorant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They may have responded to the call of God, but were not truly born again. They may have genuine love for Jesus, but, was more, but it was more of an outward demonstration and the religious outlook of their faith rather than an inward work of the Holy Spirit that transforms their lives. And some people live their life religiously, brothers and sisters. From the outside, they look as though they are checking every checkbox of being a Christian. And in our eyes, they live their lives so that we can see that they check check off their boxes. But they themselves know that they are not yet truly prepared. And are living the way that they ought to live or to walk in obedience to the teaching of Christ. And in Matthew 6, chapter 1, hear what Jesus says, beware of, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Isn't that what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders were doing? They are religious people in the church too. There are religious people sitting in the pews today in our church. They check back... They check mark every check boxes as being a Christian outwardly, but inwardly they don't live their life in relationship to God and His Word. For then you will have no reward from your Father which is in heaven. You see, brothers and sisters, having no oil was an insult to the bridegroom, and it's going to be an insult to Christ. But how do you feel? How would you feel the day of your wedding, brothers and sisters? Now, if you are to imagine your wedding day, if you are to depend on, a, on certain people to be there and they are not there, how would that make you feel? Well, you, whether you should have the bride's group, someone to take care of the food or someone to take care of the flowers or someone. And, and then you find that that person is not there or that thing is not done. You feel depressed. You feel, dis, you, you, you feel betrayed. And you feel hurt because it's something that you're looking forward for. You're looking forward for that day to come. You're looking forward for everything to be perfect. You're looking forward that everything should be in place so that you can have a wonderful marriage and a wonderful day. But when something doesn't go right, oh, it feels so bad and so disappointed. And imagine that day when the Lord will come and he will find some that are not ready. Ready? You will find those that are not, not prepared, those that were anxiously awaiting, but yet again they have no oil. What is going to be a sad, sad story? You see, they were not ready to meet their bridegroom. So now, for a word of caution here tonight, the word, the, 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 when we look at oil in this passage when they have no oil, do not misunderstand it. It does not mean that it didn't have enough of the Holy Spirit. Because you don't run out of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. You have him and you have him for all times. He don't come in portion and leave you and then come back and fill you and come back and leave you and come back and leave. He's not like that. That is not the way the Holy Spirit works. And people will think that this, this oil represents the Holy Spirit, that the virgin had some of the Holy Spirit, but when Jesus came, they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Wrong. You have the Holy Spirit, you have him. His Bible said that we are sealed until the day of redemption. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Just to caution you, and you do not run out of the Holy Spirit and you can't go buy more of the holy spirit you can't buy the holy spirit so how can you go buy him you see they all had oil they were all burning they all for the same reason but hardly they were not prepared inwardly they were all in a state of readiness sorry inwardly they were not all in a state of readiness Look at verse 8, And the foolish said to the wise, Hear what the foolish says, When they discover they have no oil, Give us some of your oil, For our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, The bridegroom came, And those who were ready went in with him To the marriage feast, And the door was shut. Hmm. Isn't that so, brothers and sisters? We all hope to see Jesus when he comes, but we are not all prepared to meet him. We all hope to see him, but we're not all hope to, meet, to, to, to be prepared to meet him. We hope, we have this hope and anticipation that we will see him, but we are all not prepared to meet him. And what was their response? What was the unwise response? Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. Let me say something to you here tonight. You cannot depend on someone else's faith for your salvation. You cannot depend on someone else for your salvation. The foolish virgin wanted a share of the oil from the wise virgin. You cannot share the inward work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot share your salvation. You cannot depend on someone else for your salvation to secure your place in the kingdom of God. You cannot depend on your mother or your father or your brother or your sister or your husband or your wife for your salvation. Not because you grew up in a Christian home and you, you, you have seen them and watched them and, 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 and go to church and be involved and be involved with the church means that you're a Christian. No, you must be born again. You must come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot hang on another's people people's faith. And we do that religiously. People do that religiously. They hang on on somebody's faith because my mother taught me this for, the, for all my life. I'm going to live and I'm going to die way with that way without understanding. Failing to know that you only have, you, you have some hope, but you don't, you are not prepared to meet Jesus. Religion and, and, and being religious will never take you into the kingdom of God. Can I have the water please? Honey? Will ne- never take you into the kingdom of God. Excuse me. So when the oil ran out, that's exactly what happened. They were not prepared. They want to buy. And many people today are depending on other, other people's faith. Many people are depending on, oh, because they know no pastor and they're going to church or because they're giving money to the ministry and they have gone to, to some form of a religious ceremony that, they are, they, that God is going to please with them because of what they bring to the altar. How many times you hear me say on this stage, you cannot bring anything to the altar until you truly surrender your life to Jesus Christ, until you truly let him become Lord and Savior of your life. And you cannot, hear me again, depend on your husband or your wife or your anyone for your salvation. You must make that decision to surrender your life to Christ. When you are truly born again and you, and you do not have a false sense of hope, brothers and sisters, you live your life each day as if Jesus is going to come. That is what it means to be a born again believer and a Christian who knows that they are Eternally saved, when you can live your life every single day to know as if Jesus is coming. If Jesus comes right now, you must be ready and prepared. You don't wait for him ten years from now. You don't wait for him five years from now. You don't wait until you get a house and the car and the education and the job. You don't wait until everything piles up and it's time for Jesus. Do you know why the wise virgin walk with oil? Do you know why? Because they were ready at any given point in time. Any given point in time. When you are fully prepared, it means that if you die today, or if you die tomorrow, you are assured of this one thing, that you will be with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Whether he take 2,000 years more to come, you are still prepared, brother. Death is a friend and not an enemy. To those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, Paul said to be upset from this body is to be present with my Lord. Faster death, faster glory, and yet again, some people don't want to die. Hey, if you are truly ready, you are willing to die anytime, anywhere, any place, anyhow. Death is not an enemy. But yet again, so many people fear, oh, I don't want to die. It is better sometimes, brothers and sisters, that Jesus said, Paul said, faster death, faster glory, but it's only that God would want me to stay to do the work of the ministry. You see, when you're truly born again, you do not have to have a false sense of hope. You live your life each day as if Jesus is going to come. And as believers in Christ, we must be prepared. We must be in a state of watchfulness. Let us not be, let us not be those foolish virgins. And those who are, are ready, are those who are saved by the grace of God, true faith in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Not Jesus and something else. Not Jesus and every other God. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. You don't carry Jesus and you carry everything else. No, no, no. It's either Jesus and Jesus alone. And you got to make that decision and choice. Whether you want to pack Jesus up alone, whether you want to go with him alone, or you want to grab Shintoism and Buddhism and every kind of ism with you and says, I'm going to bring him and, you know, it's this little Jesus and everything else. No, 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 no. His place is His place and His place alone. You don't carry anything else with you. And when it comes, when it comes, brothers and sisters, there's going to come a time when you're you're not going to have any time to go buy oil. Because too late, too late, the Bible says, shall be the cry of many. When you hear that voice, when you hear that cry, when the trumpet sung, on the de- you, you know that passage of Scripture? When the trumpet sung, how many of us are going to hear it? We'll hear it, but are we ready? It's going to be too late like many, like, the, like these virgins here. Now we've, we talk about the virgins, now let's talk about the bridegroom. And while, verse 10, while they were going to buy, look at this story, brothers And sisters, look at the parable. Look at how Jesus is is telling it so beautifully. While they were going to buy, they heard the voice the bridegroom is coming. They have no oil. Now they're going to go buy. What are they going to go buy? What is not there to buy? The bridegroom came. You leave when the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. I mean when you leave to go by, whether you didn't have, you can't even enter in. Can you imagine what Jesus is saying here? The door is shut. Shut against those who reject him. Shut against those who will never serve him. Shut against those who live religiously. The groom represents Jesus Christ here, brothers and sisters, who will come, the Bible says, like a thief in the night when least expected. He will come for his bride, the church, the body of believers, all those who are ready to meet him when he comes. And there are many passages in the New Testament that tells us about that. But I want to draw your attention to Revelation chapter 19. Look at verse 7. Hear what what, what, what the, what the Apostle John says on the Isle of Patmos. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. The marriage of the Lamb has come. Hallelujah. Which marriage? This marriage that Jesus is talking about. That it will come and Revelation is saying it has come. It is not that it is going to come. Here it is. And his bride has made herself ready. The church has made herself ready. And it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. Yes, those in Christ. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints, not unrighteous, not unholy. And the angel said to me, Write, John, write these things. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. There is going to be a marriage feast, brothers and sisters, that all of us are invited to. But it will be a sad day when that door shut, just like the door shut on the unwise virgin and the foolish virgin, only those who are saved will enter. And then finally, we are going to look at the kingdom of God. Remember the parable says that the kingdom of God. And while they were going, look at verse 10. The bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and those who were shot. Those who are prepared, those who are ready will be secured in the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters. It's a guarantee. They went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Each time I I read this passage, I am reminded over and over again of Noah's ark. Each time over this past week, I am reminded of Noah's ark. When God's judgment came on those of Noah's household, on on the people, and around, only Noah and his household were saved. For a hundred and twenty years, Noah preached the good news of the gospel. And only his family, eight people were saved and God flood the earth and destroy it. And Jesus would remind us of that same very thing in Matthew 24 and verse 19. Hear what he says, For as were the days of Noah, Hear what Jesus says. As for the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus will come again. And He says He's not going to flood the earth and He's not going to give you an ark, but He's going to come. He Himself will come, brothers and sisters. For as in, the, as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving into marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Noah entered the ark and they were all aware until the flood came and swept them all away so will be the coming of the Son of Man. This is what Jesus said is going to happen when He comes. And the parable of the Virgin is, an, is a perfect example of Jesus' saying to us, dear brothers and sisters, if we are not prepared, if we are not ready to meet Him, if we live our life religiously, the door will be shut. And then Luke Chapter 13, Jesus says, Strive, brothers and sisters, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Make every effort to live your life pleasing to God. Whether you want to study and you don't want to go to church and you don't want to do the things of God and walk in obedience to His Word, you put everything beside and you says, I want to live my life and I want to enjoy it, but I'm going to leave Jesus aside. And many people do that. We live our life so religiously, I'm just going to make time when it's convenient for me. Here what Jesus says, Strive the effort to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able to enter. What a sad story. I mean, these are Jesus' words coming from his mouth. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, And you begin to stand outside and knock, knock, knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Lord, open to us. Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you. He will answer those who are knocking. I do not know where you come from. What a sad state. What a day that will be. You know, we sing, oh, what a glorious day that will be. Only the saints can sing those songs those that are prepared to meet the Lord and Savior oh what a glorious day that will be when my Jesus I will see yes hallelujah but when you don't live your life in relationship to God when you live it religiously and not pleasingly to him and some people believe that they can put off everything what if Jesus come when you're making the decision to put him off because the Bible said no man knows the time nor the hour You don't know when Jesus is going to come. So you're going to have to live your life every single minute and hour and second as if he's going to come. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and we law, we taught in your streets. Oh, Jesus, I never knew you. You can go religiously and come into this church and be and do and do. But never once truly surrender your heart to him and that's what he's saying. And many would read this passage and do not believe that it's a holy God will do such a thing. That in the last day, many will be surprised, brothers and sisters. Just like in the days of Noah, the people were laughing and mocking and and scoffing at Noah and his family. The door of the kingdom of God will one day be shut again, brothers and sisters, to those who reject him. But how would you feel if you are to hear these words? I want you to think about this tonight. How would you feel if you were to hear these words from Jesus, I do not know you. As believers, will be rewarded for being part of the marriage feast. Is now 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ came, paid the dowry, the down payment, for the price so that We can be reconciled back to Him once again, so that one day, one day we will be united with Him. Bible says, "Without the shedding of blood, there is no remissions for sin." Jesus promised that one day He will come for His bride, and we are His bride. And gathering the saints, and the church will enter into the marriage feast of the Lamb. But will you be there? Will you be part of that feast? Now I want you to think in closing of this question. For those of you that are here tonight. And for those of you that are watching online. I would like you to think of these questions. Are you living your life as if Jesus is coming right now? Are you? You know we prepare for everything else. We prepare for marriage, we prepare for education, we prepare for job, we work nights, we study hard. Are we prepared for our salvation being secured? Or are you living your life as this Jesus will take the next 2,000 years to come? Is that what you believe? Are you ready to meet him? And are you fully prepared? What if he delays his coming, like I said? Will you still be ready? 2,000 years from now, will you still be ready? I don't think we're going to live for 2,000 years. But would you live if he delay his his coming, five more years, ten more years? What would you do? Got to be prepared, brothers and sisters. That's what this parable is all about. It's a reminder to us as believers in Christ to be prepared to be wise in our, in our walk and in our relationship. To walk obediently to the teaching of Christ. To live our lives every day pleasing to Him. Now let me ask you this one question. What if you are called to meet Him tonight? What if He called you tomorrow? Are you ready? Remember the passage... In the scripture, as I close, Lord, Lord, open to us. Knock, 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 open to us. Do you want to say those words? I don't want to say those words, brothers and sisters. I don't want to be left out. I don't want the door to shut. I don't want to hear, I do not know you. I want to hear, Welcome, my good and faithful servant. But look at the 13th verse. Jesus says, watch, therefore, to, my, to those who serve me, to those that are in the church, to those who surrender our life. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. We must be in a state of readiness and watchful... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Watchfulness. That's what we need to be in, brothers and sisters. You know, I just want to say this in closing, that when my my mother left Canada in December of 2015, we sang the song, How Deep the Father's Love, and I had all hopes again to see her again, not knowing it would be my last. That is real, brothers and sisters. A cousin of ours passed away several weeks ago. And then recently, a good friend, just eight months ago, she fell and broke her legs. leg. And the doctors discovered while operating on her that she had cancer. We all have hopes, brothers and sisters. We hope that she would have recovered. But life does not turn the world out the way we would want it. The Lord called her, like call call her home like he called my mother. The Lord called her home like he called my cousin, Arnold. The Lord called her home just several weeks ago. But one thing I do admire about them all is that their life, they were ready to meet their Lord and maker. My mom was never once afraid of death, nor she knew her God. My cousin Arnold lived his life until the very last. And even (laughs) Joey that comes to this church was singing and rejoicing and witnessing in her last breath That is what means to die and to be ready. Whether your life is called tomorrow or your life is called 20 years from now. Every single day you must live your life as if Jesus comes. We'll make mistakes. But are you ready? And in closing, Paul says in Ephesians 5, 16, Look carefully then how you walk. Look carefully how you walk, not as wise, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. Understand what God wants for your life. Brothers and sisters, it's not time to play Christianity. It's time to live it. And it's time to be ready. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. And thank you for reminding us again, Lord, that one day that the door will be shut. One day, the the, the cry, everyone will hear that cry that you're coming. And Lord, whether we live to see those days or we have gone before God, I pray that those of us that... Our call to serve you will live our lives in obedience to you. Lord, the attraction of the world is very attractive. And there are many things that will distract us. But God, we pray that you will keep us fixed. Keep our eyes fixed on you, God. Help us to walk in obedience to you and to your word. Take our hands and guide our feet and and lead us in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. And we can say as the apostle, as the psalmist David, even though we walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, that we will fear no evil. For thou art with us, thy rod and thy staff. And Lord, we thank you for each and every one of us. I pray for those that don't know you tonight, God, as they hear your word and that they surrender lives to you. For those that have been struggling to walk in obedience to you and to your word, God. For those that put things before you and and friends and, and education and everything else. They put you before those things. I pray, God, that they will surrender their lives in obedience to you. And to walk humbly and walk faithfully and walk justly, God. Because the day is drawing near and close. As you said, that we should be watch and wait I pray that each and every one will be ready. In Jesus' name, amen.